This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Sustainable-ish. I sounded a bit like some kind of 80s DJ then, didn't I? Welcome back. Welcome back to Sustainable-ish, and welcome to episode 130. Today, I am chatting to Paula Malone, and we're taking another dive into sustainability in schools. Now, avid listeners might remember me chatting to Paul Turner about the Ministry of Eco-Education and their mission to embed sustainability in the primary school curriculum across England. That was episode 117. And also episode 98 with Lee Ray Davis from EcoSchools, which is a really established um, and very useful scheme for lots of schools who are looking to either start or develop their kind of eco-journey. So do go and check out both of those. And there is so much great stuff going on with schools right now. So many great projects to hear about and to hopefully get involved with, I guess, kind of to the extent that it can feel a little bit overwhelming as a um, as a school, as a um, parent, as a um, teacher to think about what to get involved with first. But um, it's great that there's so much stuff and uh, really fabulous to chat to Paula today. Paula is a UN accredited climate change teacher. And she shares with us her experience of encouraging schools to take action in the various roles that she's had over time as a teacher, as a parent and as a school governor. So she's seen it from all sides, really. And also she talks to us about some of the brilliant organisations that she works with, like Energy Sparks and Wicked Weather Watch, that provide schools with stacks of ideas and resources and help to get students and staff, really importantly, engaged and motivated to take action. So have a listen. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you're inspired to get your school or your kids' school involved with um, any of these projects that Paula mentions. And do let me know. Drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk or tag me on social media. And my plea as ever, (laughs) plea, that makes me sound really desperate. You know, who am I kidding? Uh, I am desperate. Please, (laughs) Please leave a rating and a review if you enjoy this episode wherever you get your podcasts. Please do share it with family and friends and let's share the sustainable-ish word. So enjoy this episode. Take care and I will catch you next time. Hello, Paula. Welcome to the podcast. You're just taking a swig of tea then. Sorry, that was really rude. (laughs) Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. I I say before every interview, I'm so excited to dive into this one. I'm really excited. We've done a few bits on sort of uh, schools and and sustainability and climatey stuff. So we've had a chat with Paul Turner. I don't know if you know him from the yeah. We're just listening to to that podcast and yeah, 
chat with him later today. I oh, amazing. Um, and also Lee from um, Eco Schools, who I'm sure you're probably aware of. But I'm just really interested in talking to as many different people as possible because I feel like schools are a really key part of this jigsaw of, of sort of climate action and sustainability and things. So apologies to people listening, you know, who don't have kids and I keep banging on about school stuff, but I think it's really relevant to, to all of us. Um, so that was a very long intro. Can you introduce yourself <laughs> to us all? So <laughs> my introduction is pretty long as well. Um, so my name is Paula Malone and um, my, my paying job is for Energy Sparks, which is an energy efficiency tool that schools can use um, to help cut their energy consumption in schools and and it's you know it's it's incredibly effective it gives the kids the students the teachers the parents the data that they need um, and it shows um, within you know sometimes within minutes we're trialing we're trying a live data pilot right now shows within minutes the difference that making changes in their school can make wow but I'm also um, a trustee for Wicked Weather Watch which is um, a Chippenham a Wiltshire based charity and we go into schools, primary schools, and we teach um, them about the about climate change with a focus on the poles. So we bring actual polar explorers and polar scientists into the classroom, and we do it in a very creative way, from like cooking to street dance to the biggest map of the um, the polar regions you could ever imagine. Wow! So there's that, and um, another hat I've got is um, I'm a school governor for two local mats, two local multi-authority trusts. So I'm wow. going to, uh, I won't tell you who they are, but I'm going to use my governor influence to kind of subvert Definitely. them inside. I'm very excited about that. And then finally, um, I am also um, a teacher mentor for the UK School Sustainability Network, which um, has recently taken 20 secondary school students from all over Britain up to COP, where they, um, up to Glasgow, um, where they hobnobbed with um, minister yeah. decision makers and, um, yeah, met met Alex Sharma, president of COP. And... Did you go up with them? Yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've got fingers in, in lots of climate education. I, thought I, was just, I was just sort of laughing and I wasn't laughing at what you were saying. I was laughing at the fact that you're doing all these amazing, incredible things and what an amazing um, mm. you are. <laughs> there's, there's lots, lots of things. And I'm trying to kind of like offer my services to local schools as well to help work with them on greening their curriculum or yeah. including sustainable development goals in their curriculum too so. and you're a supply teacher and have you got your own small people I have got my one small person yeah who's How seven seven um she's seven and um is amazingly awesome oh yeah and I've got my two furry purries and a very noisy dog so um <laughs> when she's not around they keep me busy busy life so how did you get started with all this you know what what was your I'm always fascinated by people's you know sort of tipping points or what was the thing that made you go oh actually I need to be doing something about this I'm, I'm not sure because it's not like I know a lot of times people are like oh I had a really nature-based childhood mm. and I don't think I did at all I mean we played in the garden and we ran through the fields and everything like that but it was it wasn't like really be focused on camping and then um I, I guess I, I'd lived in Japan for a while and that is a very waste-based society. And mm. I think just the fact that everything is wrapped three times kind of made me start wow. thinking, about, well, actually, you know, what's going on here? And I managed to get out into the countryside there and you've got pristine nature and countryside mm. and all of a sudden you come across a vending machine. <laughs> in the country 
countryside. In the countryside, we'd get this hot drinks, a hot drink vending machine. I absolutely love Japan, but it's that juxtaposition wow. between natural world and consumerism. Yeah. Um, and then I moved back to Bath, where I live now, and I thought, right, I really want to start doing something about this. Um, and I, I decided to sign up for local Greenpeace group, and I went along to a meeting, um, only to find it wasn't Greenpeace, it was Friends of the Earth. Right. So I, um, I started going to Friends of the Earth, and I started going to Greenpeace as well. Oh, okay, cool. And got really involved with, with Greenpeace as one of their active supporters for a while. Because I was a primary school teacher, I could never actually do anything that would get me arrested. Mm. So with um, stalls in, in the, the farmer's market and um, information and that sort of thing. Um, through Friends of the Earth, though, I met some very green people in among the Bath community, and together we set up a transition town. Oh, Are you yeah. familiar with the, mm. the transition network? But can you explain to people who people who haven't come across it before? Can you just explain mm-hmm. briefly? It's not something you can probably explain briefly, but <laughs> um, transition network. I think it started early two thousands, and the idea was is. Um, we're running out of oil, we're facing peak fossil fuels, right? And so at some point, we're not going to have that anymore. So we need to be preparing for that now. So although it's got a very climate change focus and, um, and being a transition time has a fantastic effect on, on you know, how we're tackling climate change, the main impetus was running out of oil. And the idea was, is like, if we start planning for this now, um, look how amazing things could be. We reconnect our communities. We start growing our own delicious food. We look at some um, of ways of, of developing a post-fossil fuel society. Mm. And rather than being um, very negative, like a lot of um, environmental campaigns were around the turn of the century with doom, gloom, you can't mm. do the transition, transition towns were like, this could be amazing. Mm. It's going to be a big party. We're going to be so connected and so healthy and so happy and so much well-being. And, um, and they're still going, transition towns. But um, my involvement with transition towns, Bath, um kind of fizzled out about 2012 2013 mm. around that time I'm very happy to share this I I just completely burned out as an environmental mm. activist I just you know there was a couple of years where I couldn't even watch nature documentaries mm-hmm. just too much and it's like I can't bear the thought of you know all of this being destroyed yeah. so um, it was after my daughter was born which is I, I know a turning point for a lot mm. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was when I got a job in a school. <laughs> so I kind of realized, aha, here I have a platform. Not to like subvert the minds of the young, but just to open their eyes to how wonderful the world was and how much power they have. Um, oh. And that's something I, I really strongly believe in, that children have the power to change the world. I was a very quiet child. I didn't realize the power that I, I had as a child but um, you know look at Greta and, and look at um, oh, 10 years ago there was a couple of girls up in Scotland who transformed their school dinners and their schools by just you know speaking out about it um, we're lear- learning about um, a girl in, in India who you know set up a solar powered um, ironing car oh that was on um, news round or something Earthshot, wasn't it she was uh, part of yeah, the Earthshot yeah was that um, it yeah yeah um, and, you know, I didn't actually realise I could, I could make a difference on the world till I was in my 30s. Mm. Yeah, there are so many examples, aren't there, of kids doing amazing stuff. There's the, um, the sisters who campaigned oh. for um, Happy Meals, wasn't there, for yes, the uh, plastic yes, toys. Right. And there was another young girl who uh, campaigned with the supermarkets about the magazine toys, I think, and um, 
he got Waitrose to stop uh, stocking them and things. So as you say, and also I think there was a study out and I don't know um, how, how recent it was, but something around the fact that children can really change the minds of their parents. So yeah. I think it was saying that especially sort of in the States where it's really partisan and, you know, lots of sort of Republicans are very anti-climate and things and that actually their children and especially their daughters yes. could have a real impact on their fathers. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was reading that again yesterday. It's, mm. it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, I found that, you know, when I was teaching and we weren't doing anything too um, extreme. I think we tied into a, a Greenpeace campaign called Rainforest Barbie. And um, they were trying to stop, I think it was Mattel, who makes Barbie, cutting down rainforests for their Did pristine they? boxes. They used to anyway. Wow. So Greenpeace hid Barbies with little paper chainsaws all around the country. And there was like three hidden in baths. So I told my class and they went out and they tried to find these these chainsaw Barbies. And one of them actually did. And she brought it into class. And oh. we talked about it and we, we wrote postcards to Mattel and we got a letter back, which was, you know, two pages of very company speak about procurement, yeah. blah, blah. But it showed the kids that, you know, they'd, they'd found an issue. They'd, they'd take, taken action on it. They'd written to Mattel and Mattel got back to them and said, yeah, you know, we are going to look at this. Mm. Um, and they're like, well, wow. I don't know if it's a, a key part of the curriculum, but certainly both my kids did a rainforest sort of module um, in, I can't remember what it was, year four or something. And so it just, th- there are ways of not sneaking in, but do you know what, helping children to connect and to join the dots and to step into that power that they have in relatively simple ways within the curriculum that already exists, aren't there? Oh, there's so many ways. In, in Key Stage 2, in years 3, 4, and 5, and 6, you have to do persuasive writing. I'm thinking primary, yeah. obviously, in secondary, you do this yeah. too. Persuasive writing. I mean, tie that into your rainforest or yes. your Arctic project. A lot of the time it's like, oh, persuade the head teacher to get a swimming pool. It's like, no, no, find somebody doing something wrong and write your letters yeah. and persuade them. And, you know, some, sometimes you won't hear back, but most of the time you will hear back. And the fact that the chairperson of Mars or Unilever or Marks and Spencers oh. is, um, is writing to you. As, as, as a seven-year-old, you're like, whoa. But also, I think the power of that letter coming from a seven-year-old is, you know, tens, hundreds of times more impactful than coming from, you know, me, probably. Yeah. Um, or the fact that a class of children have written to you and are expecting a response from you. I think you're probably far more likely to get a response um, in that scenario. I would hope so anyway. Definitely. I um, One of the last classes I was teaching, we did a project with Sea Litter. Um, and we all made some beautiful pictures and, um, you know, some of the kids came with me into Marks and Spencers and handed them to the duty manager and said, look, this was when Marks and Spencers were giving away the, their little toy, mm. you know, Why? Yeah. Toy them. and so we, you know, took a letter and took it to the deputy director or whatever. And it's just like, look, <laughs> tell this nine year old why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've found, you know, um, for for the most part, parents have been really supportive and they've come in and gone, oh, my goodness, I get told off every time I leave a light on. But um, but they, they you know, they're seeing it in a positive way. And I think mm. the fact that their children are coming home completely engaged and on fire about something and actually wanting to talk about something. Yes. Rather than like sometimes it, with mine, especially with my youngest, it's, you know, trying to get blood out of a stone. What do you say? Can't remember. <laughs> exactly okay what did you have for lunch can't remember (laughs) I know but if they're going to be able to tell you to not do something or to do something then they'll be like yes exactly right yeah 
I'm going through all the cupboards and seeing if we've got any palm oil yeah, <laughs> or anything. Yeah, yeah. But do you ever get any parents going, being really cross about the fact that you've kind of done this and they're coming home and asking these difficult questions and, you know? No, not from parents. Oh, good. The only thing was, I think the, the Bath newspaper took a picture of us once and this was, uh, we all brought our tigers in and we'd written to um, KFC, I think, for their rainforest stuff. Um, and they put a picture in the newspaper and then you got a couple of trolls underneath. Yeah. Oh, she should be, you know, brainwashing our children. Brainwashing these children. It's like what to make them think we've got an effect, you know, yeah. in the world. We're gonna make a difference. So, yeah. but to get to get back to what you were originally saying, yeah, there's so many places that you can fit into the curriculum. And what's more, when when you do, all of a sudden it becomes meaningful, mm. and relevant, and and there is nothing that that you know. Why are we doing this? Oh, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, actually, if you do this, you can change the world. It's, it's so much more exciting. So, oh God, there's so much I want to ask you. Let's take the things you, you mentioned in order then. Talk to us a little bit about um, Energy Sparks and what they do and how schools might be able to get um, involved. Okay, so Energy Sparks started as a pilot with about 11 bath schools in about 2017. And interestingly, it arose out of Transition Bath. Oh, brilliant. Great, because um, I started Transition Bath and now I'm employed by them. So yeah. <laughs> me and um, we've now got like a hundred and almost 190 schools all across Britain and um, what we do is we we provide a free tool to state schools that um, we get the schools to agree to give us their um, e- electricity and gas data and then we um, show that on the website so every school has got a particular school dashboard on the website that's for adults or for pupils and we show the data, we present it in a really simple, easy to, be under, um, easy to understand way that even five-year-olds and six-year-olds can kind of see, oh, you know, their mm. lines are going up, so we're using more, the lines are going down, so we're using less. As well as that, we provide lots of um, activities for children. So we try to kind of guide them through a process of learning about a problem and then taking action on it mm. and then being able to see the impact you've made. So um, if, if you're an Energy Spark school, um, we'll t- take you through an analysis of, right, here's a graph. This is what it means. Here's a question about this bit, what's happening here? Okay, there's a question about that, but what's mm. happening there? So they're building um, energy literacy and analysis skills. Mm. Which, which is, we're all going to need, you know, as adults, we should all have that, shouldn't we? Mm. Regardless of whether there's a climate crisis or not, we should all know how we, you know, what energy our home is using and where we might be able to save some money. Oh, definitely. Here's a, here's a really crazy fact that I think from the power station to our homes or to the organizations, businesses that are using it, we lose 54%, I think, of the electricity that's produced. And obviously, we're losing more in the house as well. And I think we end up with like 30%. We're only using 30% of the electricity that's generated or something. So actually, for every unit we're saving at home or at school, that's almost saving three units from between the power station and us. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely about that 15, 54% from the power station to us, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we're wasting a lot in homes. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. About tackling waste. So we're, we're getting them to look at their data. And if they're not an energy spark school, they can look at other schools data mm. and do this analysis. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then once they've looked at the data, then we say, right, okay, we're going to do some spot checks in school. So we send them around as detectives and they can go around at lunchtime and, and see what lights are left on mm. or computers are left on or um, they can go around after school or they could be doing audits of the kitchens or computer labs once we've done that we suggest some activities that they can do to take action like mm-hmm. uh, 
A really popular one is um, our red our traffic light switching off system. So you mm. might come out of school, identify everything that's using electricity. If it's something that pupils can turn off by themselves, then it, you put a green sticker on it. Mm-hmm. If it's something that um, they can turn off, but they have to ask an adult first, then you put an, an amber or an orange sticker on it. And then if it's something that nobody should touch, like freezers or servers or, mm. or life support, um, then, it'd be, <laughs> then it'd be red. And, you know, just by doing that and, and getting pupils to t- take ownership of turning mm. things off, making a difference in your school and um, the school's energy consumption. And so what we do after that is encourage the students to go back and, and look at their energy again, their energy consumption um, and the data and the graphs on the website. And if they're recording their actions, they can see the, the day that they took that action and then they can p- compare energy use before and oh, amazing your listeners won't see but one hand is up yes yes yes, yes. Hand is <laughs> or after and um and yeah and then you know we've got lots of compact like um communication activities too so spread the word make videos make posters run an assembly about mm. it so it goes from perhaps a small group of children doing these actions in an energy or an eco team to the whole school being aware to um, the community being aware. One of our most recent activities is um, uh, turning, turning down your thermostat one degree. Mm. So um, it's something that you can do in schools, but also most homes in Britain have, uh, have got their thermostats way too high, like 24 degrees. Wow, yeah, um, yeah. They'd hate to come to my house because it's freezing. But, um, you know, 18 is optimal. And if it's higher than that, you know, turn it down one degree, you won't even notice a difference, but you yeah. money. And um, it's great for saving. It's quite a big chunk of carbon as well, isn't it? I can't remember what the stats are, but it's something like a third of a ton or something, isn't it? In yes. turning over a year, turning your yeah. thermostat down a degree. It makes a huge difference. And that's it's a bit of a gateway activity. Yeah. <laughs> environmental activity. Slip in a little bit of uh, turning your thermostat one degree. But before you a big impact it. one. Do you know, like, you, and, then it's, and then it's a really big impact. So you mentioned this might be something that you introduce if your if your schools has a, a green council or a green team and this is something that they sort of take on and run with but then presumably because I think one of the frustrations sometimes around schools or you know asking schools to do sort of sustainability work is that they there's a temptation I think to go okay so we've set up an eco club tick and mm. actually kind of what needs to happen and and you know the work that Paul is doing with that curriculum is kind of embedding it across the school and so all the pupils and all the staff are involved in it and it's not just for those people over there to do something about so so from what you're saying that it might be something that the the kind of green team starts with but then maybe they go and run an assembly that they present to the to the rest of the school and and are there ways that you can uh, sort of introduce elements of um using the database and stuff um into into different lessons oh definitely um and you know first you might get green monitors in every classroom but then mm. all the activities we do i've made them you know i've, I've put curriculum links and um, they can be taken into different mm. so i mean if you're looking at for example um how fossil fuels have an impact on the environment then you might look at right well um, fossil fuels. Think think about the the energy grid in Britain. Where are we getting our electricity from? Okay, now where is it being generated from? Mm. And being imported. Looking in geography, where is it being imported from? And how does you know how does our energy makeup in Britain differ from different you know yes. different And then take it into um, take it into English. You know, write a persuasive letter persuading your parents to buy green electricity. Yeah. Um. So there are lots of curriculum links in in lots of our explorer activities. 
Yeah. And all that maths you can do, crunching those numbers and things as well. That's the thing. I mean, if you are looking at data handling and statistics and, and graphs, then mm. why, why wouldn't you use your school's energy data or solar data or, you know, um, that, that sort of thing, rather than how many people went to a museum on a Tuesday? Yes, that is real life. Mm. You know, you, you, it's, it's applied maths, isn't it? It's maths that we can see the point of. Um, Definitely. A lot of children, I think, really struggle with. We, um, we provide activities for, for teachers to use in their classes as well. So, um, but then, I mean, some schools, you're right, some schools are just like, right, how can, how can we bring this into the curriculum? Or how can we, you know, even run a club with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the Energy Spark schools is just the bursar or the site manager that right. looks at Energy Sparks. And again, it's a really good tool for them too, because we, um, we analyze, our program analyzes their electricity and gas consumption, and then we can make um, we can give them advice on maybe some of the actions that they can do as as a, the facilities manager that, that mm. will make to their schools. So reducing the base load, for example, which is how much um, electricity is being used when everything that should be switched off is off. Yeah. Or um, consolidating meters or, you know, turning things off at the weekend. We give them yes. um, cost comparisons to, you know, if you do this, it will save you this much money. And oh, amazing. Might- cost you this much but then you'd save it back in in you know a year or something and have you got any numbers on the sort of average amount that that schools might save in in terms of both money and carbon I guess oh goodness it really depends because we are working with schools schools. um up in the highlands of Scotland and you know some of those schools they they're used as community centers so Mm. they're Uh, okay yeah, yeah 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 all the time but um and we we're working with like very big um private schools Mm. as well you know got huge grounds and lots of buildings but um you know I'd say anywhere between 2,000 to 76,000 I've seen a school that could save 76,000 pounds oh. they just <laughs> turned their heating and gas off at different well, times. I, I was talking to uh, somebody at uh, a, a quite a big private school they were a prep school I think um and they did an energy saving campaign. I'm not sure if they were signed up to Energy Sparks, but they did one, you know, just literally asking people to turn lights off and they saved 20 grand. I know. And it's crazy, isn't it? And you think that schools are so cash starved. Yeah. It's like, we need glue sticks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't afford glue sticks for the kids. Um, but yeah, our TAs and just, you know, yes. turn your heating down one degree or turn the lights off in the yeah, staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how can schools, um, if somebody's listening and thinking that sounds awesome, you know, they're either they're a teacher or they're a parent and they're thinking, I'd love my, my school to, to get involved. Mm-hmm. From our brief conversations, you're sort of working with lots of councils to sort of get them to feed it down to, to schools and things. How does it work to get involved? So a lot of time we go through the councils because um, usually in a local area, the schools all buy their electricity from the same electricity or the gas provider. Oh, OK. So a school might not... It's not as simple as as me deciding to change my energy supplier at home. It's kind of a, a council decision sometimes, is it? Yeah. So all the schools, for example, all the schools in Wiltshire, I think they buy their, their energy from um, the council. Right. Um, I might be wrong on that, but they all get their energy from the same place. Mm. So it's relatively easy for us to go to the energy provider and say, right, all of those schools give us permission to see their data. However, if it was a place where all the schools are getting data or all the schools are getting energy from different places and we have to do that work for every single provider. So if there's a lot of schools um, or a school that really is, if there's a listener out there that, that really likes the idea of energy sparks for their schools, then the first place to go would be to talk to their head teacher or their bursar or financial manager and then get them to talk to somebody in the council. 
and see if, uh, if we're already on the radar. We might be working with some schools in right. there already. I mean, we've got Durham, Sheffield, Cornwall, lots in Wales. We've got, um, yeah. East- I think you said you'd just um, been talking to, because I'm in Wiltshire, so this is, uh, you know, um, you said you'd just been talking to Wiltshire Council, I think, didn't you? So- yes, yeah, Wiltshire Council is, is a go. So we've got oh, some amazing. coming up in Wiltshire too. So, so the first step is go to your head and then ask them to go to the council rather than come directly to Energy Sparks. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. But again, you can use Energy Sparks resources even if you're not an Energy Sparks school. Oh, okay. So all of our resources are, are available for the public. Oh, amazing. You can see most of the schools that are on Energy Sparks, their data is is available on the website to look at as well. It's not exactly as precise as it would be if you were signed in. Yeah. But um, but you can, you know, look at a, a nearby school and, and see how they're doing with energy efficiency. And you can use all the lesson plans and all the resources and all the ideas for activities. Oh, amazing. We, we put together some programs as well, like a 10 step program that yes. can, can work through. So you might not know where to start, but you can work through one of our programs. Oh, fabulous. Mm. Um, so that's one hat. So now we're going to swap hats. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the next one you mentioned it was um um wicked weather watch that's it. it is a very a small charity we have two employees um it was set up oh my goodness I think it was set up over about 10 years ago by um a polar explorer David Templeman Adams mm-hmm. um who spent you know a large part of his life going going on polar expeditions and he was just absolutely, you know, he, he saw the extent of, of, you know, polar ice being lost by, by climate change and just wanted to set up this charity. And for the last four, actually, I think I've been involved for four years now or five years, but for the last several years, um, we have been going around to, to local schools and working with them, providing assemblies and workshops and tying them up, tying, uh, introducing to um, like local artists, or mm. I think we were working with um, a dance uh, workshop in um, in Bristol for a while. So they were going to the schools and doing like street dance workshop. Oh, yeah. change. Um, one of my favorite activities with them is we get a map which is about the size of a, a primary school gym. It is huge and it's centered on the um, the North Pole. Yeah. So you look at it and it's not the world as you know it. And then mm. one of the activities that you do is you you look at where the extent of the ice was right. when you know, we as adults were born. And then you mm. look at the extent of the ice when the children were born. And then you yeah. look at the ice when, you know. Wow. Hurt. And it is just, you know, it's, it stops your blood cold just yeah. to see how much the ice has shrunk in mm. even years. So um, education, education, education is, is, is Wicked Weather Watch. And again, we provide lots of resources for um school teachers to use it's most it is primary school mm. um which doesn't mean that some of our resources couldn't be used by secondary mm. but um we provide online teacher training as well that any teacher can can sign up for and that's mm-hmm. looking at um embedding sustainability throughout the school as well as um working on biodiversity and just general facts about climate change as well amazing so um again if anyone's listening can any school sign up for that? We run a school climate action program for schools in Bath, Wiltshire, Gloucester and Bristol and schools okay. can sign up for that. However, further afield, um, you could use our resources, but... Um, and we take would... part in the online training, presumably, if they're... Yes, yeah, you could take part in the online training, but um, we wouldn't be able to come and... Yes, to come and physically deliver up. anything. It's a bit far. So yeah. Far. Oh, amazing. Okay, so that's hat number two. Hat number three, I'm trying to remember, was it the school's sustainability network? Yes, yeah, so we talk about that because yes. that's really 
exciting. Each of these ones could be a podcast on its own. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll get them all over today. Yeah. Um, so the UK School Sustainability Network was set up in London a couple of years ago. And um, it was a way of linking students from, from different schools together to take action on the climate. Mm. So, you know, if, if you're a secondary school student and you're passionate about something, but nobody else is, you sometimes feel, you know, maybe what's, you know, you don't, you don't want to speak out about like, oh, I'm passionate about not eating meat. Don't we feel like that as grown-ups as well, don't we? Yeah. We do actually, yeah. You know, if you're the, the lone voice and you yes. tend to just be quiet and work yeah. in your own way. Uh, and this was a way for students from different schools to to come together and realize actually they're not the only one mm. like this. Um, and so they have started, you know, working together in little regional networks and, and meeting online. I mean, Zoom has been brilliant for this. Yes. Discussing what what changes they want to make um, in their schools and in their communities and in the world. It is a school network. So we do ask them to sign up with a teacher. And the main reason for that is they're all um, under 18. Yes, so, so it's, it's a kind safe, of safeguarding, um, a safeguarding issue. But wow, the the students, I keep saying children, but the, the students, the young people involved in this are just so incredibly amazing. And is this primarily um, secondary school? Yes, yeah. So um, they, it's mostly years 11, 12 um, and 13 oh, okay. where they have the time. But children in younger years can come and sit in on mm. the meeting as well. We do get, well, the, the, the older students run the meetings. So they set the agenda, they run the meetings, they take Amazing. them out, they do all the social networking and, and all the media. And you know. just that is a skill in itself. I remember the first time going to like a PTA meeting or something and I've never been in a, what, what does it mean to take the minutes? I don't understand. No, like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm cheering, cheering yeah. a meeting. I got asked if it's I want to chair the governors and I'm like, no. I don't want to chair a meeting. I don't know what to like do. I'm like 40s and, and these like 17 year olds are like, yeah, I'll chair the meeting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the things that they accomplish are amazing. In the Avon region, so Bath and Bristol, um, our students set up a, a hustings. There was mayoral elections in Bristol last year and our students set, set up, you know, the, the hustings for them. So we got access to a tv studio and they did all the research and they asked wow. all the questions and they, they got involved in the filming and they got involved in the interviewing yeah and, yeah um oh my goodness it's, it's as an adult I couldn't do all that mm. um and then you know we have the the North Somerset group as well and you know they've been oh they've completely transformed their school the, the couple of students working in North Somerset and uh, they put together like newsletters every couple of weeks with all the green issues and all the news for their other students to, to, you know, to understand and, and get a bigger view of what's happening mm. in the world. Overall, we've, so we've got these different regional networks with students working together from different, different local schools. And then we have a national network as well. And so we ask that students from the regional networks come to like one student from Bristol would come and right. represent Bristol at the national Mm. little um once a month and then that way we we really get an, an idea of what's going on around the country mm. so even if you're desperate to work on something and nobody in your region's working on it, and you're making those links yeah the country as well. and so we had the fantastic opportunity to take 20 of these young people up to cop 26 which was brilliant we got um funding from the royal society of chemists of chemistry oh, amazing. which yeah. was fantastic because then you know we we were able to go up by train and, and stay in the youth hostel up there um, and they funded the whole trip was absolutely fantastic. Um, Global Action Plan helped yes. um, helped organize the trip. 
I want to get Jess on to come and yes. talk to us about everything that they're doing. Yes. She's a, a powerhouse. Mm. And yeah, so we took these 20 students up and they'd, they'd had to um, put together applications of why they should go and wow. their experience and their passions. And um, my goodness, I bet. as a teenager, wow, I was like a slug compared yeah. to these guys. <laughs> so motivated and passionate and knowledgeable. They're having conversations like the Secretary for State for Education and the Secretary wow. of State for the Environment. And, you know, Alex Sharma and I'm telling them what they've been doing with, um, I think they've been making questionnaires to, to get the, the ideas of everybody in their school. And they're telling Alex Sharma about that. And they've been interviewed for Good Morning Britain and, and they've all come home and done interviews for their local TV oh, stations or articles for their newspaper. And um, yeah, they were just, you know, we had three fantastic students in the the blue zone with wow. Tipton and talking to decision makers and negotiators and we had students going out to to meet their uh, education secretary of state in a, a very sustainable school building and going into primary schools and talking to their students about why taking action on the climate mm. is amazing and just yeah a fantastic opportunity and did they come away from that feeling listened to or feeling like they'd been sort of patted on the head and sent away like what what's their experience I mean an amazing experience to go and to go and do that but what what do they feel like the outcomes have been for them I know a lot has been said about how COP26 has, has not delivered mm. what we were all expecting and, and even you know in getting the youth voice involved a lot of young people have said actually no you know we weren't listened to at all mm. but I think in all the encounters that our students had they did feel like, you know, yeah. they were respected and they were listened yeah. to and that, you know, they, they did have a chance to to speak their mind and say what they were passionate about mm. and get their, their message across. Yeah. So uh, I think we were really lucky that um, that all the encounters and opportunities we had were, were really honest and, you know, productive. Doing anything in the sort of climatey space. I mean, you mentioned sort of burnouts that, that you experienced earlier on and, and you know, it, it can be feel very frustrating and very hard work but I can just seeing these young people and as you said the energy the motivation the passion the knowledge that they have not that we're expecting our young people to carry us along but that must give you energy and as well yeah definitely um I mean I work from home and I'm sitting here on my computer making resources or training teachers and and you know and I see the world outside go by and, you know, everybody driving to school and, you know, everybody dropping litter and stuff mm. like that. Oh, my goodness. But then I spend this, this amazing weekend with these students and I come home and there's a fire underneath me. And I'm like, yes. right, I have to do more. OK, right. I'm going to I'm a governor of this school. I'm going to go straight to the COO and say, right, <laughs> I want to yeah. talk to you about getting your students involved and and changing things across across the board and it's not just about recycling I mean recycling yes but I strong strongly strongly believe that schools have to be at the forefront of action Mm. I mean schools should be the hearts of their community and I think I think we've really lost that in in Britain and sometimes teachers are seen as getting really political here sometimes teachers are seen as the enemy but if we can put schools back at the heart of the community what they teach the children and that includes teaching them to be active citizens yeah goes home to their families as well and and like we talked about earlier kids can really change their parents mind on some of these important mm. things I mean it's it's a way that we can reach so many households and families within the UK by 
educating the children and and you know this positive pester power or however you want to phrase it that they go home and and share these ideas and these passions with their families Mm, yeah definitely is that positive pester power and giving them those alternatives to um what they could be doing at home yeah yeah yeah. and a lot of them people just don't have the time to to research unless you're really passionate about it or find those alternatives Mm. and I think you were saying in your your podcast with Paul um, about how sometimes, you know, as adults, we find it hard to talk to the older generation and our, our parents, but um, our children, oh my goodness. They've Straight in there with the grandparents, power. yeah. <laughs> yeah more power of the grandparents. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really strongly believe that, that education children through the schools will reach out to the wider community and even the people in the community that don't have children at the schools, mm. they'll benefit as well. Yeah. So you've also mentioned this other hat, the, the sort of governor hat. And is that quite a new role for you? And you said you sort of came back and wanted to go to the COO. Did you, have you managed to have those conversations with your sort of academy trusts and things? So I've been a governor for just one year. Okay. I have recently been appointed for, uh, as a, a governor for my daughter's school too. So now I'm like in two <laughs> little okay, amazing. multi-academy trusts. Um, the first one that I joined a year ago, they actually were actually looking for a sustainability governor. They are starting oh, wow. and it's going to the school building's not built yet, but it's going to be a passive house standard building, Amazing. which is for, for anybody that doesn't know, it is just like the highest environmental spec that you need really, really small amounts of, of electricity to, to power it and heat well very small amounts of heating to keep mm. it warm. And in the summer it's it's built in a certain way that it stays cool without air conditioning and yeah, so it's fantastic environmentally and eco-friendly building. And they really wanted to put environmental sustainability at the heart of the very school. So, you know, some people got in touch with me and said, would you be interested? And I'm like, yes, of oh, course. Wow. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I went into the school and I was working with the head teacher and one of their teachers on just looking at the curriculum, mm. and embedding different curricula, different climate friendly behaviours and um knowledge milestones and, and understandings within within the, the curriculum mm. for the first three years um as the school progresses we get more classes and yeah over the years but yeah so that's that's something that is um is really exciting so that's a way that we can get involved as well isn't it um I had a conversation recently with um the head of one of my kids schools and you know he kind of said oh you know what we really need is a a governor who's pushing this and on board with this and bringing it up at every meeting and and I was like is that you telling me to apply to be a governor or is that you just sort of passing the buck on to somebody else but you know I kind of think god I I don't feel qualified enough to I'm quite happy to go and help you know chair the PTA or whatever as you said but I I don't feel like I've I've got enough uh, skills or qualifications or whatever to go and be a a governor like Mm -hmm. how can we yes yeah definitely I mean schools need several different types of governors and one is like parent governors and you mm. don't apart from being a parent at the school and wanting the best for the school and to help the school out you don't have to have particular skills for that I mean right. schools will also try and recruit um, governors from the community as well and those might be governors that have particular skill sets in in finance or mm. buildings or human resources or, or things like that but um, no an interested parent can go and and I think I've just realized that too that actually if I'm a governor, you know, the head, head teachers are so squeezed by, mm. by all the pressures on them. And I don't want to be adding another pressure as a governor yes. saying you must be sustainable. Yes. But, you know, you do, you do have that, that option. Make it part of the conversation, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 
plan in the school the school five-year or two-year plan you you can say right well what are we doing about sustainability and at mm. the end of the day here, here's another name for you um to talk to kit rackley oh yes i think i've followed them on twitter yes 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 so um they um are a geographer and um have done some fantastic work about climate action as a safeguarding yes issue. And um, you've probably had podcasts about climate anxiety and that's mm. right. and it, it's true. I mean, if you look at um, a recent survey that was done by the University of Bath, they surveyed thousands of, of young yes. people around the world. And um, what, what 75% of them were, were actually terrified about what's going to happen. They couldn't see any positiveness in, in the future. And, you know, lots of them didn't trust the government, lots thought. You know, the world was going to be a much worse place and um and you can't help but feel despair and lost and and alone. Well, I, I shared on my socials yesterday actually I, I was walking to school with my youngest he's 10 and he's always quite resistant to you know shall we walk to school shall we cycle to school can we shall we have a veggie meal he's always like no, 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 no. uh but we were walking to school and he said mommy yes will I not be able to live my full life in the future and I oh. said well how do you mean and he said well you know climate change and stuff and oh god you know what what do you say to that like oh so I sort of fudged some kind of you know reply but um even when we don't know or think that our kids are thinking about this I think especially with all the coverage we've had recently you know if you've just had the you know breakfast news on or whatever it's been talking about cop it's been talking so they're picking up on this stuff so yeah I think it's um it, it, it genuinely is a safeguarding issue and then when we talk about the podcast that um, we're recording this on a Friday and the podcast that's going out today is about healthcare and climate and you know that god it's all just so interlinked isn't it and I feel like we have such a responsibility to educate our kids around this and to empower them around it definitely yeah I mean taking action is is one of the best ways to to deal with climate anxiety for me anyway and for lots of other yeah and I mean um the school I said that had saved sort of 20 grand, I think they did a survey with their with their kids and their staff and things. And, and there was a, a definite awareness of, of the climate crisis amongst um, the pupils, but no joining up of the fact that they might be able to then do something about it. And that yeah. feels like a real failing. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I remember talking to a bursar of one of the local schools and he was saying how a lot of the students had permission to go in and join one of the Friday marches right and then they'd come back to school but nobody would be saying right well what can we do at school it was just like right we're going to go march and and it wasn't that translation into action but I think one of the things I've had from one of our local schools is is you know saying well it's got to come from the kids and I find that really frustrating because I think well we're not expecting the kids to lead on safeguarding or on health and safety I really want to learn a proverbial. No, that doesn't come from the kids, does it? No, and unless we almost give them permission to talk about this, to act on this, unless we show them what, exactly as you said right at the beginning, the power that they have, I think it's a really big ask to, for them to step up and say, can we do this? When they might not have the knowledge or the, you know, feel feel in any way capable of doing that. So I, I feel really strongly that it needs to come Yes, we, we need, to, you know, we can't just sort of plonk this on the kids. Um, but why on earth is it their responsibility to introduce this to a school? I know it's it's not just like, oh, I really want to find out about Vikings. No, it's it's not. It's the future of, mm. of us, really. It's, it's, you know, our children growing up and having a, a safe, hospitable planet to live mm. on. 
yeah um the alternative is is just too horrendous yeah, yeah we yeah. don't we don't even want to be talking about the alternative with our children it just has no. to be no we we can make a difference because we can yeah. you know all of our actions can make a difference and part of that is talking as well mm. and communicating and um and letting the people who have got lots of power and lots yes. of money and, and everything to know that that we're not willing to really get political we're not willing to buy their products mm. or um, yes. invest our money or yeah. legitimize their planet destroying ways um we, we can we can couch that in a child-friendly yes. way but yeah. i think it has to be surrounded by action so I was at my daughter's school today I was going to say you, you, you mentioned before we hit record that you'd been there and um talk, tell us about this because this is just phenomenal did you go in there which of your hats were you wearing or were you going in purely as a parent like how did you oh goodness you I don't know in I'm now a governor there mm. so yeah go in and subvert them all I'm not subverting them honestly <laughs> um but I have been chatting to the head teacher for a long time about going in and doing some work with them um, and so I've been going into the key stage two class and um, we are, we talked to them about COP last week and then we're thinking, right, well, how can we make this school a school that is a positive planet, oh. friendly to, to the world around us? Um, and it is, we've got, um, I think, four or five mornings, about an hour each time. And it's very much about, right, what do the children understand and what do they want to do? And so a lot of the time as a teacher, like, right, let's take some action on the environment. You get someone, let's buy part of the Amazon and well, let's invent this. And or then you get the other end of the spectrum and it's all just let's do a litter pick. Yeah. So we need to find something in between, don't we? <laughs> Which is great. I mean, again, that's one of those gateway activities, isn't yes, it? Definitely. But um, yeah, so we had a lot of conversations about it, a lot of discussion. We came up with some ideas. And I think I showed you, I didn't I, all the things that that they came up with of, of things that they can actually do. I use the word thing a lot but of actions they can take. So um, they came up with like a route. We could have sensors on the lights in the classroom so they mm. go off. Or we could have some standalone sol solar panels in the field by the school. Or we could um, learn about carb carbon capture and seaweed. And we could be, um, we could compost our food and plant our, you know, plant mm. our school dinners and increase biodiversity, make beeswax wraps mm. so that we could um, talk about having waste less yes. boxes. And, you know, it's a village school, so we could close down the village um, during rush hour, during yes. drop-off and um, drop-off and pick-up time. So that cars... So before they had that kind of brainstorming session, presumably you've had a session with them discussing some of these sort of possibilities or they've just, this is all stuff that they've come across and heard and... I think a lot of it is um, experiences that they've had in their in their life outside school, in their day to day life. And they're aware of things. But at the same time, you know, you've got some children saying, well, everyone can get an electric car. Mm. Um, but it's it's, you know, the, the, the job of the teacher and, and me as well to kind of narrow that down and go, right, right. What problem is that solving? And mm. how can we take action on that in school without, you know, everybody buying an electric car? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's they know that the problems are out there. And, and I think, you know, there's very few children that don't know that. Yeah. And, and, and so um, what will now happen with that wonderful list of actions? Because I think that that also it's very important for our young people that we then, you know, they come up with all these ideas and we go, oh, brilliant. And nobody, none of them ever see the light of day. Yeah. Uh, you know, are there projects that you some sort of quick wins in there that you think the school can get involved with in a sort of very cost free way? And then obviously some, some maybe longer term projects that need some investigation. Definitely. So we've got three more weeks of this project. And what we'll do next week is we're going to vote on it. 
And then um, depending on whether they want to take action on energy or um, clean air or, or food, then we'll probably think about, um, right, who do we need to help us and, and what do we need to help us? And do we need money? How can we get money? Do we need resources? How can we get resources? Oh. And we'll we'll choose one or two of those that we can really take action on. Yeah. Make a difference. And so this is with the whole um, the whole class. This isn't just their green team. This is this is. No, this is. Read you up some curriculum time to do this. Yeah, it's, it's out of curriculum time. So it's years four, five and six. So, um, yeah, about 30 children, I think. Um, yeah, and they'll be they'll take they'll make a difference in the school. Mm. And they'll see the impact that that has. And, you know, we can measure it as well. So we can say, right, how many people if we're taking action on clean air, how many people are idling outside the school? What's the yes. like? Can we measure that? And then let's look at it after we've we've done our mm. differences or if it's energy, we use energy sparks. They're an energy. Spark. Yes. We can use energy sparks to see the difference in, in our electricity consumption. So, so how on board has your head been with this? It sounds like you were pushing against an open door or? Oh, very much so. He's, um, we've been chatting, you know, at the school gate for ages about, oh, I've got to get you in. I've got to get you in to do uh, something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really happy to, to, you know, have an opportunity to, to go in now that we're in a COVID safe yeah. so. so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking right okay I want to go into my kids school and I want to deliver these these sessions and things but thinking oh god you know I don't have any education background and and um so as a as a parent mm-hmm. what 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 can we do right um I've just thought of another brilliant brilliant resource which um parents could go in and be volunteers with but there is um I think it's Persil and Unilever and Global Action Plan together put together put together a resource called Dirt is Good, mm-hmm. and it um, this is something else I was in, involved in writing some of the resources for with another hat on. Oh, yeah, amazing! It looks at the Sustainable Development Goals, and there's about seventeen of them that mm. um, covers all these areas that we should be taking action on, from you know child hunger and, mm. and poverty and sustainable jobs and energy and biodiversity and, and climate change, and um, the Dirt is Good project encourages you to take action on on something that the children are passionate about and it guides you through the taking action and the developing a project and the the getting information and um reflecting at the end so if you've never had experience of of working on like a change making project like this before that is a fantastic place to start Um, and it encourages the children to think about the things that they're passionate about too but it gives you the resources to to back up Mm. that action with knowledge so that's, that's a fantastic resource. Dirt is good. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, as, as Energy Sparks, we are trying to make it as easy as possible for schools to take action on energy. And one of the ways that we found to do this is getting volunteers into the school as well. Okay. So um, there's always people dying to go into schools, parents dying and grandparents dying to go into schools, mm. reading yeah. and maths and everything. And, you know, some sometimes parents want to go, but they're not not keen on the reading or whatever. And this right, yeah to get involved in graphs and charts and maths and numbers yes. and, and everything. So, um, yeah, see if your school's an energy spark school and, and go and help them deliver the project. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking, we've got, um, I've got like my membership group called the Nakamums Eco Club and um, we've got a few parents in there and a few, a few teachers in there, sorry, a few mums who are teachers and, you know, them saying that actually they're trying to get some things, you know, happening and off the ground in their schools and having parents coming and asking the questions and saying, okay, you know, are you guys doing anything around sustainability? Are you an eco school? All those kinds of things actually is really powerful and almost gives them, 
not quite data, but can go to the senior leadership team and say, look, I've got parents asking me about this as well as kids and things. So, you know, um, so I think never forgetting yeah. that as well, that just by asking the questions sometimes and um, gently making some suggestions. Yeah, I think a lot of the time um, schools are, are worried about a parental backlash, really. about Right. Things. If it's the parents coming to the school and saying, right, well, we're really concerned about clean air. So we want to organise a walking bus. And the teachers are like, brilliant. Fantastic. Go. Yes. Let's talk about how we can make this happen. And yeah, get involved in the green. Team. Going to them almost with solutions rather than, you know, that whole don't come to me with questions, come to me with solutions. So we're, we're worried about clean air rather than what can you as a school do about it? We want to organise a walking bus brilliant now we can really got something to work on and um I know a, a lot of my friends in in the different schools that they their children go to in Bath they've set up a parent green team so it's looking a lot of the time it's looking at transportation and trying to encourage wow. like a walk to school day or a walking bus and and other times you know one of my other friends has got energy sparks into her, her school and then sometimes they look at um gardening gardening yes. is a brilliant activity that brings a, the whole school together and you can arrange like a saturday or a sunday morning get some food out there too some flapjacks and hot chocolate yes and get in the corner of the of the school grounds and i think you know the government has uh, the dfe has just said that uh, they want more schools to have gardens to increase their biodiversity so mm. another great opportunity to get involved in schools oh so exciting you're doing I mean amazing stuff Paula I hope you kind of realize how you know how much you're doing and how brilliant it all is well I think you probably feel the same that you can't not do it yeah you I mean yeah yeah Yeah, we do what we can so no you're an absolute powerhouse thank you so much and thank you for um sparing some time to I know you haven't been well this week as well so so sparing some time to come and talk to us thank you so much it was my pleasure and you know you can probably tell I love talking about this stuff (laughs) brilliant thank you been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.